Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded, recently hitting 6 million listens. Support us by buying a copy of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a small donation. In return, we'll give you the chance to nominate a guest and even win lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. Find out more at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Welcome everybody to Clubhouse Ambassadors Corner. So for today, we have Fanny Brull, and then now she will be introducing Paola Mustili. So Fanny, how many Clubhouse have you done so far? I think, uh, well, <laughs> I think this will be my third or fourth time. It's always a pleasure to do it. Also for the exercise of uh, uh, making some research on the domain before. So, But I think it's three or four now. Yeah, it's also a pleasure for us to have you as our moderator, and it's really enjoyable to have you with us. So thank you so much for, yes, yes this is another episode. So thank you. Um, so for those who are now in the room, hello, everyone. Okay, we have Rebecca, Andre, Paul, Angelo, and Elena. And we also have Renato, our new guest. Uh, so this is our Clubhouse Ambassadors Corner. We've been doing it, I think, for two years now. And we are really consistently doing this because we enjoy and we enjoy having our ambassadors have their conversations with their favorite Italian wine producers. And so today we have Fanny and Paola. Fanny here is our V ambassador since uh when was when 2021 2021 <laughs> yes it was here in verona right yes yeah okay so so she's also working in genuine wines together with ellen jacobs meyer you told me that you recently had your harvest how is that well it's it has been a complicated vintage um a little everywhere in italy the same too but in the end uh, we will be able to to do good wine it's it's quantity will be uh little little quantity. Uh, it will be a year, we, we call it a, a year of wine growers. It's not something easy, but yes, we were challenging, yeah. <laughs> challenging vineyard. Yeah, for all sure. Along the, all along the vintage, in spring, lots of rain or not enough rainfalls. It's um, or too much or not enough. Yeah, I, I can imagine because it's been quite difficult also. I guess you and Paula will be talking about it later as well for her experience in this harvest for this year. Before I ask you some questions, I'll be introducing you. So Fanny, she's from Angers in Loire and have always been into wine. She studied agronomy, engineering and enology. She worked as a winemaker in France, Italy and Chile and then as a salesperson for a wine importer in the USA. In 2008, she founded her company, Genuine Wines, with a deep willingness to help wine growers located in lesser-known or underappreciated wine regions, but that had great potential. She started with Jura and Emilia-Romagna. Since then, she has been helping them with their export markets as part of each team. So these are 
it's French and Italian domains. Um, aside from that, from her main activities within export, she also has a small Italian importing venture in France. She also works in La Baden's wine project. She makes wines along with Thomas We, a fellow wine lover. So, yes, I hope I pronounce all the French words correctly. It's really a challenge for me, but I hope so. Um, no, like, uh, no worries. <laughs> has been perfect. Thank you for this presentation. Thank you. Um, so, let me ask you first, why did you select Paula Mustili for this show today as your favorite wine producer? It's really um, the, the discover I have made when we visit, when we did the Gita Scholastica in Campania last year. I have been um, totally thrilled by everything. First, you arrive in this uh, uh, village, uh, Santa Gata dei Gotti, on top of uh, a cliff, uh, and then you arrive to the domain itself, the Mustili domain. It's all about history. They have a beautiful antique salon that still was in use until the, the early 2000s. They were daring to bottle wines from Palangina that was not known to be um, an important uh, grape variety, so a pioneer uh, family, and also the style of the wines. We taste it still sparkling. We have been welcomed like royalty in this inner courtyard with local products. Um, I was charmed by everything. And um, it's, always, it's also our, our goal to all of us talking about local grapes, autochthonous grape. And I think Miss Tilly is uh, really doing a, a great job uh, um, for this. That's really beautiful. And also, it's really nice to also have these Gita Scholasticas within the VIA community because that you will also discover new producers and also discover what they have. It's like, you know, discovering hidden gems in Italy. So that's really nice. So tell us, what are the learning objectives that we should be expecting from this interview? I think, I hope <laughs> this interview will be timeless. I think, um, so we will be listening to the story of this estate, which has managed to showcase a local grape variety and flag the flag for being different. But I also see this interview as an encouragement for all the young estates that are just starting out or importers or distributors who are facing with the same challenges. How to help a wine, a grape variety or an estate to be recognized. We are going to listen to Paola Mustili tell us about the road traveled by her family, pioneers at a time when it was rare to take a deviation off the well-trodden path, and about the steps it took to re-up the rewards of its work over time. There are still same obstacles today. Whenever, when you are young, unknown estate, wanting to sell your wine, or when you are a wine professional, wanting to promote unknown estates. And I think the history repeats itself, and we can learn from the past. Even if the times were different, tenacity and patience are terms that still apply today. And the story of the Mustilier estate shows us that in the end, it's okay to take the time to explain the wine, to make it known and to be different from everyone else. That's beautifully explained. Thank you so much for that. And now I look forward, I really look forward for the interview later. Tell us, how did you discover the wines of Mustili winery? Um, I have to, to admit it was really during the same travel, the same travel we did in Chita Scholastica. We had, um, they opened really lots of wines to, to show us the different expression of each grapes, Falangina, but also Piedirosso, Alianico. Um, so I really discovered the wine there. And then 
I was able to luckily buy some, but it's not easy in France. But yes, I was able to continue drink the wines. Okay, so right now I'm going to mute myself and I'll give you the floor. Okay, bye. Okay, bye for now. merci, Laika. Buongiorno, uh, everyone. I will be introducing you Paola, Paola Muschili. I have a short biography and then I will be um, running this interview to try to give as much as possible uh, element to understand this estate and this uh, really rich uh, history. So Paola, she's the eldest of three children. She was born in Naples in 1962. She grew up in the countryside and helped run the family business, producing fruit, tomatoes and wine. After graduating in agrarian studies with a technical economic focus, Paola has worked for a year in Roma for a company that dealt with research in agriculture. In particular, she was followed the various phases of development of the National Vineyard Register by carrying out monitoring in various regions of Italy, surveying existing vineyards, verifying the occurrence by aerial survey uh, of the territory. In year 1991, it has been really a turning point for, for her because she met Buddhism, which she still practices today. And she decided to return to her family to take care of the business with her parents. In 1996, she married a musician who is still her life partner and with whom she has four children and a boy and a three girls. Until 2018, in addition to one production, the Mustili Domain also have a restaurant and hospitality business in an historical building from the late 17th century. Just few words on the Domain too. Uh, the first vines planted by um, someone from Mustili family was back in 17th century, 1700, excuse me. But the family estate has been created in 1960 by Paola's father, Leonardo Mustili. He really rediscovered the local indigenous grape variety, including Falangina, and today the domain spreads over 15 hectares. Buongiorno, Paola. Yes, buongiorno. <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree also, with this presentation? <laughs> also, I'm, uh, I'm so excited for your presentation, Fanny. I call you Fanny. <laughs> And uh, this is a big responsibility for me because uh, you, you, you used such important words to describe my family and uh, our, uh, our business. So I don't know if <laughs> I can be <laughs> right for this uh, <laughs> job you gave me. So, well... Um, well. Super. So I'm also very honored to spend this hour with you and listen to you tell us about your work over generations. Thank you so much. Um, so your estate is located in Campania, very well known for Falangina grapes today. Uh, your winery has a long history with this grape. Even the name of your estate is linked to Falangina grape, as you were the first to bottle a wine made of Falangina. So my first question to start How did this idea of making a wine from this particular grape come about? Was it a desire for a new challenge or a firm belief from, your, from Leonardo of the potential of this grape? So, the first difficult question. Uh, do you have one, one, one year to listen to the, the, my answer? 
because um, uh, I have to go in the, uh, back in the times. When uh, my father, Leonardo, uh, decided to run the, uh, the, the winery, he um, made a research in this area because uh, the, the vines that he had um, were uh, with uh, not native varieties, but with international varieties. Um, all the south of Italy, especially Campania, especially Sannio, because we are in a part of Campania called Sannio, uh, which is, uh, is the most important uh, area for wine production in Campania. We have more than 10,000 hectares of vineyard here. So the tradition of the uh, farmers, the wine farmers, was uh, to, uh, to sell wine in bulk, not bottled wines. But um, mainly um, international varieties, uh, such as Merlot, Cabernet, uh, varieties that were easily uh, sold on the market um, uh, to blend the wines from the north of Italy and the north of Europe. So uh, the majority of the um, wine growers were uh, focused on international varieties. And the uh, local varieties were uh, unknown because there was not... Uh, uh, the market didn't uh, demand for these wines, but they were not lost because the local farmers used to uh, grow these local varieties and made the wine for themselves. So uh, when my father uh, decided to uh, live in a country, live in the country because the family used to live in Naples, they uh, go back to the roots of the family. And because he was an engineer, an hydraulic engineer, he decided not in the 1960s uh, from the south people went to the north working in the fabric in the cities. He made the, um, the opposite direction. He decided to go back to the roots and he was focused on the uh, typical product. So uh, he made a research with other producers and they uh, were searching uh, in the vineyards of the Sanyo area for local uh, grapes. They found 18 different uh, vine grapes. They harvested them, made the macro vinification of these. And among these, there was one called Falangina that they thought was very interesting. So he started the production of this wine in 1979. And they made just uh, 3,000 bottles. So uh, to resume your question, uh, yes, there was a desire of a new ch challenge, but was um, a desire that uh, was that, uh, the community uh, need to change uh, the production of the area. And, uh, and of course, after this discover, the path, was uh, um, very hard because uh, there was no recognition of uh, Campanian wines at that period. I mean, um, even in the uh, restaurants in Campania, uh, people used to drink wines from the north. Uh, wines from Friuli, wines from Veneto, wines from Piemonte. There was no recognition of the production made in Campania, of the wines from Campania. So this was very hard for all the 
winemakers that started this challenge in the 1970s? Well, first, uh, bravo, because, uh, yeah, it's uh, really, the, the word pioneer means a lot here when I'm listening to you uh, explaining what was the situation before. Um, just to understand, at that time, was Palangina known, so not to the public, but was it known to the local? I mean, um, for the everyday consumption there, the workers, or was it unknown? There is, and it's called Bonea, where Palangina was grown. And uh, the production was very small and was sold all the production was sold to blend the wines from Castelli Romani, which is near Rome, because Falangina has a good acidity, freshness, that improved the wines from that area. So the Falangina was known, but was not valorized. Nobody believed in this kind of wine. So how does a pioneering winery go about introducing an undiscovered grape variety to the public? The different step from where do you start? My father started with the production in 1979 uh, with 3,000 bottles of Falangina, and he was the first. So it was very, very natural, because uh, in that times there were sommeliers, that started to uh, grow and to uh, organize themselves. There was an association of enologists. Uh, my father started just selling wines to friends. Friends went to the restaurants, asked for Mustilli. Nobody knew Mustilli. They called us and asked for this wine that was discovered. It was Falangina, was the first new wine from Campania. Of course, there were already Fiano and Greco di Tufo produced in Campania. But Falangina has two points, uh, very uh, the strength point. One is the versatility, is a fresh, light, fresh white wine. In Campania, uh, the majority of uh, the, the people drink white wine because it is a good pairing with uh, the food, Campanian food. So for this uh, uh, characteristic uh, was uh, immediately appreciated by the market. Even restaurants called us to buy the Falangina wines. After they tasted Falangina, they believed in this wine. They started to invest in this wine. So this was very, very naturally introduction in the market of Falangina. After this, other winemakers understood the importance of Falangina and started to plant Falangina. Uh, grapes, the Falangina vines. So from uh, which surface did you start at the beginning? How many hectares did you have to start? Of Falangina, I mean. Uh, yes, I started just uh, with one hectare. I want to describe a Falangina because uh, uh, there are two different Falangina called the Falangina both. Uh, one is grown uh, among the coast from Caserta, Naples coast. And it's called the Campi Flegrei Falangina. Uh, the other one is called the Beneventana, Falangina Beneventana, grown in Benevento area. These two Falangina are uh, totally different, genetically different, but 
they have the same name. Maybe the origin of the name is because when the plants were supported to a pole. Uh, so this is the, the reason of the name. The supporter of the, the plant is called Palanga, which means pole. Uh, this is the ancient uh, uh, name for Falangina. So um, in the past, uh, you, also, you also pioneered an organization. I'm thinking of the Vidi, uh, the Vidi group, Vini d'Excellenze, of which Fattoria Salvapiana, Stoppa were also members. This organization brought together producers who were all convinced of, this, of the importance of the quality of their wine and um, of the close link between the wine produced and the terroir, the t- territory from which it was coming from. They also share in common a focus on indigenous grape. <laughs> uh, was belonging to a group a strength to help get recognition for your wines in the region? I think that belonging to a group, it's always a strength. And uh, our first uh, association was growing in uh, Vide. Uh, that was an association to promote uh, the, the wine of the most important uh, winery in Italy. Then uh, when uh, uh, this association closed, of course, uh, we're going together to the exhibitions we made the promotion together so uh, the most important thing for me in that period was uh, to have an exchange with the other producers because especially in that times in 1990 there were very very few women working in the wineries so during the association i had the opportunity to exchange my thought my experiences with other people from other parts of Italy and also with uh, other women, which was very, very important for my growing. So I entered also in uh, Le Donne del Vino, that was an association of women of the wine, uh, born, was born in 1990, and that was very important too. And now uh, that Vida is not alive anymore, was closed, uh, I belonged to another association that is called FIBI, uh, Association of uh, uh, Independent Wine Growers, that does a, a good job for the small uh, artisanal producers in Italy. And this association is also joined with uh, other uh, associations like this in the other part of Europe, France, Spain, Bulgaria, other countries, other European countries. And we have a person that uh, is uh, connected with the European community and uh, also Italian government. Uh, And this person uh, makes the interests of the small wineries because we are a small artisanal winery. And uh, the business, the wine business is mainly... uh, 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 monopolized by the industry. So we need a voice, a common voice, unique voice that makes the interest of the small wineries. I understand. Thank you. Um, Back to the grapes. Piedirosso is also a little-known grape variety. Could it follow the same path as Falangina in your area? No. 
Absolutely not, because uh, Piedi Rosso, which is one of the most important red wine from Campania, is um, a very wild uh, wine. Um, the production is so low that uh, it's inconvenient for the farmers to grow Piedi Rosso. So uh, this is the first reason why the Piedi Rosso will not have a, a future, unless uh, the um, the quality of the wine will be recognized uh, well on the market, and so the wine growers could get money from the production. But at the moment, uh, the small production uh, is not a good uh, good reason uh, for planting a Piedi Rosso. So I don't think, unfortunately. <laughs> and can you tell us more about your ter the terroir? What, what's the type? What's the soil? What's your climate in your region? Wine to Wine Business Forum: Everything you need to get ahead in the world of wine. Supersize your business network. Share business ideas with the biggest voices in the industry. Join us in Verona on November 13 to 14, 2023. Tickets available now at pointwine.net. Yes, the Campania is quite uh, rich of different uh, climate uh, and terroir. First of all, the most important uh, soil is uh, volcanic because uh, we have an important site that is called the Campi Flegrei, which means a fireplace, because uh, 30, 40,000 years ago, in that area, which is north of Naples, uh, there were more than 40 volcanoes, volcanoes. And still now, there is a, a earthquake almost every day. The ground is shaking. There are many crafts there. And 30,000 years ago, there was a big eruption, and the magma covered three quarters of the Campania region, including Sant'Agata de Goti, where we are, including Irpinia. The main soil underground, the main uh, rock below uh, the soil, is volcanic in Campania region. Then we have also limestone. The climate is uh, Mediterranean, uh, of course, among the coast, fresh inside because we have also the Appennini in the middle of the region that are the Appennini are along the mountains that are along old, old Italy, in the middle of Italy. So we have fresh climate inside inland and a Mediterranean and hot climate along the coast. We are in the middle because we are under a mountain that is called Taburno. This mountain, uh, we are on the hill around Taburno, direction uh, Caserta Naples. So we are uh, a border of uh, climate changing, because there is the fresh air coming from Taburno mountain and uh, 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 warm air coming from Naples. We are just in the middle. Thank you, Paola. Um, I have a question from Paul, who is also listening to us and who also enjoyed very much the visit he did in, in your winery. Uh, he, he's written, he has written a very nice message saying, I am encouraging everyone to discover them. So his question is, it's more about the character of Alangina and the aging. Does the wine benefit from midterm aging? Or, and if so, is there a guideline for optimal drinking? Or... Is it best as a new release where freshness is highlighted? 
we have bottles of Palangina 1996. We tasted and uh, still good. And also 2002. These are the two vintages. Uh, very, very impressive. Even if this wine were made for the fresh consumption, we saved them and after many years we tasted very good uh, flavor. So I think that Palangina can age well. There are other producers who are focusing on the aging Palangina. Of course, it's a challenge, uh, but uh, I think uh, you could drink, you could appreciate both uh, aged one or uh, fresh one. And you personally at the domain, I guess you have a private salon. Do you do you make some try? Do you do you keep some bottle, gaining some age? And what's the oldest Falangina you have drinking? And how does it taste? Uh, we have uh, Falangina in Greco from 1976 Greco, 1979 Falangina. Uh, uh, 1979 is uh, just uh, a small. Uh, production now we have just uh, three bottles of this so we are not going to open it but um, 1996 is very very good and uh, of course when you taste a wine that is so old the varietal um, perfume is not uh, present anymore and uh, you can uh, taste uh, the profumi terciari which means uh, hydrocarbures hydrocarburi uh, you understand this word perfumes petrol yes for, for example, petrol, yeah. Uh, so not uh, any more uh, fresh, fresh, fruity and flowers perfumes. And the acidity, does it smoothen the acidity? I guess it's fresh and vibrant uh, when yeah. young and then maybe um, rounder, well, not so, there not is, so fresh. There is yes, there is still acidity. The wine is still fresh. It didn't lose didn't lose the acidity. The reason why the wine can age so well. The, the spine, the spine of the wine. Thank you. So what are the other grape variety planted uh, in your estate? We have Greco, of course. It was the first uh, wine that my father planted. And then we have two red. Uh, Piedi Rosso, uh, the one we, uh, we, we talked uh, before, and Aglianico. And are they um, all very well adapted to? Well, there is. We are all talking about. We are also talking about the climate change, especially the 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 last years. Are they all well adapted to the change, uh, the climate change, or are some more adapted than others? <laughs> I don't want to be pessimistic, but uh, I have to because. Uh, uh, the changing of the climate, uh, we cannot uh, uh, subvalue. I mean, um, there is uh, this year, especially this year, there were many uh, many disease in in the fields, in the vines, and uh, also through stress. We were very lucky because we didn't have any uh, fungal disease. Uh, because my sister is very, very um, careful. Uh, she she goes every day in the vineyard, uh, checking uh, the sanity of the grapes, of the, the vines. And uh, But we had drought stress. And uh, at the end, uh, we had also the visit of the wild, uh, wild boars. 
So they started to eat the ripe the grapes, and uh, we had the small production for this reason, which is a problem for all the producers. Also, the the, the draw stress uh, because we don't irrigate the vines. It's a big problem for the climate. The climate is so hot even now. It's uh, 30 degrees, and we are in October. We already finished harvest. When uh, I, I remember when my father started the harvest uh, in 1980s, uh, he started middle of October. Now, uh, this year, we started uh, end of August. Yes. Um, so, more back to another type of question, another topic. Uh, when I visited the estate, I was really struck by the journey back in time, especially with the visit in this historic cellar, more than 10 meters below ground. <laughs> It was fantastic. We could also see the traces of time on your wine labels, because you combine uh, old-fashioned like those in uh, Renaissance portraits with cheerful colors. Uh, what's the, well, first, what's the connection with this period of time, the Renaissance? So you, you hit the point, uh, Fanny. You are a very sensitive person. And yes, we have a very deep roots. Our family is an old family. And we have portrait of our ancestors in our house. We decided to use their face for the label of our selection wines. The connection with the past is very strong in my family. And this is one of the reasons I decided to come back in 1990s to work in my family business. I think that uh, I can uh, express myself living, trying to make real the past through the history that uh, I tell when people come for tasting. I think the most important thing is not uh, only to taste the wine and the quality of the wine, but is also uh, make a connection with people. And uh, I am so proud of the history of my uh, place, the village where I live, the Saniti, the population that used to live here in the past, uh, that uh, I uh, enjoy to um, tell people a piece of history, because history is uh, our future also. And we, uh, we have a responsibility to uh, tell to the next generation uh, uh, all the steps, all the, um, um, the difficulties and all the, the, the hard work that uh, people before us made uh, to let us uh, jo uh, enjoy what we have now. I don't know if I was uh, clear <laughs> in explanation. <laughs> no, but I really like uh, when you when you say uh, the past and the future are linked, and uh, uh, the additional cheerful colors on the the old paintings. It's exactly this. No, I like it very much. It it's a hint of uh, modernity, <laughs> but still on the strong basis of um, the past. The culture, and um, uh, so what? What's the name of the wines? Artus, 
cesso di nascere, o regina Sofia, regina Isabella, who are they? Bigna Segreta, it's a, a fantasy name for describing a phalangina uh, that uh, was selected by my sister and uh, this is uh, just a, a small production made on one hectare. Uh, she selected the best uh, uh, the best wines and crafted on uh, one hectare. So Vigna Segreta is uh, the name of this palangina, uh, represented by my ancestor, that is uh, Maddalena Mustilli. And we put on uh, the label on her face, because she, is, uh, uh, she belongs to 16th century. We, uh, to modernize her, we, we, we made um, a butterfly on her face, a, a mask that has a shape of a butterfly that reminds us uh, Annie Lennox uh, of the Eurythmics, uh, because we love music of, of my period. I am a boomer for my, for my children. <laughs> I, I was born in 1960s, so they define me boomer. And um, the uh, Artusa is the name of a uh, medieval uh, lord of Sant'Agata, Conte Artus. So this is the origin of the name for Piedirosso, a special Piedirosso that is aged in, and fermented in amphora. And uh, Cesco di Nesha is the name of the um, hill where we have the, the vines, the vineyard. So this is the reason the name. For uh, Regina Sofia and Regina Isabella, Regina Sofia is uh, uh, a, a tribute to the last queen, the last uh, queen of the Neapolitan kingdom, Regina Sofia di Borbone, wife of Francesco uh, di Borbone, and uh, was also uh, one of our uh, wine made by my father in 1980s using uh, uh, Aglianico uh, grape. He made a white wine with the red grapes called Regina Sofia. So when we finished, when we didn't produce this wine anymore, uh, we, kept, we kept the name because we, uh, we liked the name. And then we used this name for uh, the pet nut, uh, rosé uh, pet nut wine from Aglianico grapes. The Regina Isabella is another uh, queen of the king of uh, Bourbon uh, called Francesco I, uh, that uh, was uh, king of, of Naples and Sicily in 1825. So we used these historical names, always because we like a connection with the past. <laughs> Yeah, so genial. J'adore. I like it very much. Um, so, since you like the past, but also the past is linked to the future, uh, is there a new generation ready to take over uh, when it will be the time for the Mustili family? From the Mostili family, I have four children. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> we... we <laughs> We hope the future will follow the past and uh, they are very uh, helpful because they help us in, uh, in, uh, in a vineyard and they help us uh, in the cellar with the tasting, especially with the tasting, with the, with the public. They are very good with people. Uh, so, yes, of course, we hope they will uh, get uh, the, 
the witness, so they say, the testimony, <laughs> get the future in, your, in their hands. When I decided to work in my winery, I didn't have any um, pressure from pressure from my father and my mother, and I was very grateful for this because uh, it was my decision. I decided with my heart to go back to the family. So I am doing the same. I'm doing the same. I'm, I don't want to push anybody. I think people need to be free to decide what they want to do in their life. But I, I have a very good uh, um, impression and hope for this. Mom, thank you very much, Paola, for, um, for your time and for uh, explaining so much about your history, your wine, your philosophy. Um, I'm asking the audience if anyone has any question, I, I, could, um, I could ask it to Paola. Feel free to, to write it uh, on the little uh, room chat. For me, I have really enjoyed a lot this time with you and, and I have read a, a lot before in order to prepare this interview, but you went much more far to give us uh, insights of how do you work and it was fantastic to listen to you. Thank you, Paola. Grazie mille. <laughs> Grazie, Fanny. And thank you, everybody, for listening <laughs> to me. <laughs> so we wish you um, a good uh, vintage. And now I guess everything will be in it. Everything is in the cellar, right? Yes, everything. Yeah. Yeah. So now well, a big part is made, but still uh, fermentation and aging, it's another second big part. So I wish yeah. you all the best for this vintage that we will be very happy to to taste in a few months or, or years thank you thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> thank you for like giving me giving me the opportunity to tell my story you're very welcome alla prossima forse okay. in santa gata <laughs> bene <laughs> Hi everyone, no, don't close it yet, we're still here. So yes, if you have any questions, so feel free, you can raise your hand and then let me know if you have any questions. So I think right now Stevie is still busy talking to Manuela at the moment. I'm sorry that she cannot join the meeting today and close the room. But just don't forget that we have our upcoming Clubhouse Ambassadors Corner next week so look out for our social media channels on italian wine podcast and then see what's upcoming for the next clubhouse but definitely there are going to be two ambassadors corner for the next week on tuesday and on thursday so thank you thank you so much fanny for introducing paola with us thank you paola for your time and it's been a pleasure to listen to your interview so this podcast will be recorded and we'll put it up on italian wine podcast Okay, that's it. Thanks a lot. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, Laika. Goodbye, Paula. Goodbye. 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 Thank you. Once again, here we go. Swirl, sniff, sip, sniff. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.